0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. Who is Hall of Fame worthy in this class? It is as difficult as I can recall, in particular at the wide receiver and the safety position. It is splitting hairs between some of the all-time greats. Let's talk about it with the Hall of Fame voter Howard Balzer. Howard, great to have you on the program. First, before we get into this class of 2020, how does one become a Hall of Famer? What are the credentials?
1: Well, that's a great question. Do we have about an hour? I mean, <laughs> you know, to become, <laughs> to become a Hall of Famer, obviously. Well, first, there's, there's one level of Hall of Famer, and that's the elite players. The, whether it's the Brett Favre's or the Jerry Rice's or whatever names you want to mention, where when it gets into the meeting room the day before the Super Bowl, there doesn't even have to be any discussion. The presenter stands up, says, "I present Jerry Rice for the Pro Football Hall of Fame." He sits down. They say any discussion, and there's no discussion, and we move on to the next person. That's the elite. Then you get to the next level, and that becomes just how do you separate where what, and it, and it's all just gut feeling it's instinct it's evaluation obviously it's statistics it's talking to people you know i think a lot of people have this notion that we the 48 of us all just get in there and we're just exercising our personal feelings and all that which to a degree is part of it but we also do a lot of research on these guys and talk to people and talk to coaches and talk to players and talk to those who play with and against the, you know, the players. And you get a feel for who are the guys uh, that are worthy of being a Hall of Famer. When it comes down to it, these 15 finalists, they're all worthy. And that's what really makes it tough, because you can make a case for all of them. and But obviously, all of them can't get in in one particular year. That leads to guys waiting and all that. But I do agree, to back to one of your original points, this might be one of the more wide-open years in a while, mainly because of the first, the first, there's not that you know, really only one first time eligible that has a darn good chance. And maybe is a slam dunk is Troy Polamalo, Reggie Wayne's a first time eligible, but I don't see him jumping over the other two wide receivers that are in this class. So that leaves open four spots. And so the last couple of years when there was basically only two because three first time eligibles got in. Howard, my
2: question or at least question number one is the debate Dave and I have been having, and it revolves around Andy Reid. In your mind, your personal opinion, does he need to win a Super Bowl to be a Hall of Famer, or do you think he's already worthy of being a member of the Hall of Fame?
1: I believe he's already worthy. That's my belief. That doesn't mean that's what 47 other pe- people who are on the committee believe. And so. Yeah, you know, we've put other head coaches in who haven't won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Bud Grant with the Vikings, they went to four, didn't win. Marv Levy with the Bills, they went to four in a row, didn't win. He he was he was enshrined. So I think the resume of Andy Reid right now, the fourth winningest coach in NFL history, has the fourth most playoff appearances in NFL history, seven conference championship games. But there are those who believe now. The narrative on the outside is, well, he needs that Super Bowl. I don't know what all the other voters think. I don't. T- we haven't really talked about Andy Reid to this point, but it'll, I'm sure it'll come up if he hasn't won one when he does. When he does retire, and it's five years later. It'll probably be part of the discussion. But in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer for what he has accomplished, and especially in two different places.
0: Okay, two things off that talking to Howard Ball's uh, Hall of Fame voter. One, the last time he was there 15 years ago, we all know had some issues with clock management down the stretch. If that happens again on Sunday and Andy Reid's two biggest moments in coaching are represented by failures in crucial stretches. I don't understand how you can put a guy in the Hall of Fame. But secondly, just to clear up where you stand on coaches is in your mind. Dan Reeves, a Hall of Famer who's been to four Super Bowls with two different teams.
1: No, that's a great question. He was he was a finalist in the Centennial class of the eight coaches uh, that were up for a discussion, and obviously he didn't he did not win. I uh, he I mean he did not get elected. I, I yeah I think he's Hall of Fame worthy. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of head coaches. You know there was others in that group that were considered like Don Coryell, who's been a finalist in the regular, you know the regular process five times and hasn't gone got in yet. You can make the argument Jimmy Johnson is in the Hall of Fame in large part when he hired Norv Turner in his third – in Jimmy Johnson's third season as Cowboys head coach, and Norv Turner was coaching Don Coryell's system. And so and, – and that's changed the NFL in a lot of ways when, after Coryell went to the Cardinals and San Diego Chargers. So, yeah, I, I think Dan Reeves – and he's, he's being considered, and I think at some point there, there's a move now that – And I think this could happen. It's not definite, but it could happen that there is going to end up being a separate coaches category, just like Mm -hmm. there is for contributors, which started five years ago. Take them out of being considered with players. And then we'll see some of these more deserving coaches uh, get in. And so, and, and I think it's a little bit unfair, too. I mean, you mentioned, you know, one instance in a Super Bowl for Andy Reid. You have to look at a guy's career in total. I mean, every coach has had issues. With clock management, every coach has had things that happen in a game or whatever for whatever reason. But I think you have to look at the total big picture. I mean, heck, Brett Favre threw the most interceptions, and in, you know, in history, uh, you know, players make mistakes. Everybody does. Everybody does. And so, I think that you have to look at that. Like I said, you have to look at the big picture of anyone's career and say, hey, do all these positives outweigh outweigh a few tough things that happened to them along the way?
2: Um. Howard, let's get into this Hall of Fame class, and who, in your mind, are the slam dunks or guys that you
1: feel really strongly about? I don't know. You know, everyone seems to think that Troy Polamalu is a slam dunk, and he very well could be. He could end up being a first time uh, get in as a first time eligible. But you you, know, you raise the thing about safeties. You know, there's other safeties in that room with Steve Atwater, who's in his 16th year of eligibility third year as a finalist John Lynch seventh consecutive year as a finalist Leroy Butler finally first time as a finalist but has been eligible for a long time that's a lot of safeties, and there could be the feeling I mean I remember five years ago Orlando Pace everybody thought was a slam dunk as a first time eligible and did not get in and I think the feeling that year and I think this could happen this year and Junior Seau was the first time eligible who got in the other four guys that year that was 2015 were all players that had waited it was Charles Haley, six, six years of finalist. Tim Brown, six year. Jerome Bettis, fifth year. Will Shields, fourth year. And so it was kind of a, quote, cleanup year. And everybody realized, mm-hmm. hey, these guys have been waiting a long time. They're deserving. Let's get them in. Orlando Pace is going to have his time. And he did the, the ne- very next year when he got in. So it's possible that someone people could say, hey, it's time for Lynch or it's time for Atwater. Troy can wait a year. It's not the end of the world. And then you have other guys like Alan Fanica, fifth year. Isaac Bruce, Tony Basselli, Edger and James, fourth year as a finalist. So I, I think there's six guys in there, aside from Polamalu, who've been waiting you know, a good number of years and have been finalists repeated times that could end up being those other four or five if Polamalu doesn't make it. And it becomes a really good cleanup year for these guys who have been waiting. So there's six guys for four or five spots. And I have I'm not saying I'm not predicting that will happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if it does, because that can, that can happen. Like, like I said, those, quote, clean up years that occur, because there's a lot of first time finalists in this class, yeah. not the two first time eligibles and five other guys who are finalists for the first time. I'd be surprised to see one of them jump over guys who have been finalists, you know, quite a few times before.
0: Really tough to split hairs between Lynch and Atwater, almost identical resumes. Let's talk about the wide receivers quickly, because there's three guys, again, that I believe is kind of splitting hairs that have almost identical statistics. Where do you lean in terms of Isaac Bruce, Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt? Feels like it might be Bruce's turn.
1: Well, I, I feel it should be, and I have to admit, um, you know, I'm a little biased because I'm from St. Louis, and I will present the cases for both Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. And I was a little surprised Holt. I thought Holt wouldn't make the finals until Isaac Bruce had been inducted, but he's in there this year with Reggie Wayne, a first-time eligible, who's also very deserving. But I think when it push comes to shove, when you look at those three guys, like you said, when it's close and the guys have – but, you know, Bruce – it's. It's somewhat close, but this was a guy who had the second most receiving yards in history when he retired, and he's still fifth with over 15,000 yards, and there's only four or five wide receivers in history that have totaled 15,000 receiving yards, and so I think when, guy, when the committee looks at it and says, okay, we're going to put in a receiver, it should be the guy that's been the finalist the most times, so, so I lean towards Isaac Bruce. I think the other guys will get in in time, but I think one receiver will because we all know a, lo- a, you know, a bigger logjam is coming. I mean, Heinz Ward has been a semifinalist for several years, hasn't been a finalist yet. Next year, Calvin Johnson comes in as a first-time guy. The year after, Steve Smith and Andre Johnson. So there's a lot of receivers coming down the pipe, and you don't want to get to that point where you cr- you've created this persistent logjam again like we had with Chris Carter and Tim Brown and Andre Reed for a number of years.
2: Howard, I, I got to ask you about the position everybody cares the most about. Obviously, offensive line. We know that. Um, do you have a pecking order in your mind for Baselli, Fannica, and Hutchinson?
1: It's really tough between those guys. I, I think Baselli is probably the best player of the group. And if he had played longer and had more years, he would have been in five years ago. Uh, because he was he was not a finalist for a number of years, mainly because of the short career. Finally, Terrell Davis getting in helped him, and in terms of the short career, so I think he's the best player. Does he get in? I, I think Hutchinson certainly is right there with Baselli in terms of being a guard and one of the best that there ever was. Fanica has waited the longest. I mean, he's a, in terms of being a finalist at least. He's this is fifth year as a finalist. Baselli is his fourth, and Hutchinson I believe this is his is his third, and so. It's, it's always tough to split them, and it, it definitely is. And votes get split sometimes in that room, and that affects other guys. Or if, if guys vote for multiple offensive linemen in the reduction to 10, then that, helped, that hurts other guys who might have been in the 10, if not for all those linemen. So I think it's tough to separate them all. Like I said with the receivers, sometimes it goes to the guy who's been the finalist the most times. But, heck, you can make a very, very strong case for all three of them. And I think they'll all be in eventually.
2: Last one, Howard, can you do me a favor? Can you tell all the guys in that room that I said Richard Seymour is the best defensive lineman I ever played against, and I played against a lot with all the teams I played for. I just feel like he doesn't have the numbers because of the Patriots scheme. But trust me when I tell you, you put him in any scheme, he could have been awesome. He could have done what Sapp did, in my opinion, in Tampa in that scheme. How much do the voters really
1: understand that? No, I think they do, and I think it all comes out in the discussions, and that's what's so great about the discussions, and you get other people like yourself and whoever talking about a player like Richard Seymour. I think another guy you can kind of put in his group is, is, is um, uh, Bryant. All of a sudden, I'm blanking on his. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on his first name from the from the 49ers. And he, this is his first year as a finalist, and he's been eligible uh, for you know for a long time. And he's in that group. He's like that because he, he defensive tackles most of the time don't get numbers. So I think we all understand that. But I think one thing we have to realize, too, guys, is this. I think sometimes everyone doesn't realize just how hard it is to be a finalist just to be a finalist. So there's the respect for those guys and, and Richard Seymour because he is a finalist. And so that's, you know, that's a big key, but I think it's lost in it, in it sometimes because like I said, it's hard to be a finalist, but yeah, I think we all understand it. It comes down when everybody votes and like you said, like we've been talking about, there's kind of a pecking order. So I'm sure that he will continue to be, if he doesn't get in this year, he'll continue to be in this in the discussion. And one of these years, He's gonna get. He's go, he's going to be in. I know it's hard for these guys to wait, but as we know, every year there's ten disappointed people when the voting gets announced.
0: It's going to be a fascinating weekend in that regard. Howard Balzer, Hall of Fame voter, really appreciate you coming on the show. Very interesting discussion. Thank you.
1: My pleasure, guys. Take care. Enjoyed it.
2: Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember. You can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home.
0: Home and Home.